Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this news conference regarding Karkotex financial statements released 2018. 2018 was a strong year in terms of orders received, and our strong order backlog gives a good starting point for 2019. However, the profit was below our, our targets. Today, our CEO Mika Vehvilainen will start with the group development, and after that, our CFO Mikko Puolakka will continue with the business areas, financials, dividend, and the outlook. Mika, please. Thank you, Hanna-Maria, and good morning from my behalf as well, and thank you for participating for Cargodec 2018 conference call. During 2018, we saw strong demand for our products and solutions, especially so in Hayab and in Kalmar. Unfortunately, we were not able to turn that strong demand fully into our targeted profitability. And this was especially so in high up where we were sort of having a suffering partly from the strong, uh, weaker US dollar as well as some of the delivery issues and supply chain challenges in there. However, there are many positive things to take away from 2018. Obviously, we are very pleased with the strong demand, and it's clear that the investments we have done in R&D and product and services improvements are paying off in the demand we see for our products and solutions. I'm also very pleased with the progress we are making in services at the moment, and I'll come back to that one as well. Also, the software orders were strongly up during 2018. I'm also very happy with the progress we are making in port automation, and we have signed up five new customers for port automation during 2018. The market on environment in Hayab and Kalmar continued to be positive during 2018. We saw relatively robust growth in container traffic by 4.7% during 2018, and the market forecast for 2019 and the coming years still indicates more than 4% growth in container throughputs in the coming years. The construction level activity has been in a good level, both in Europe as well as in US. And although we see some of that growth somewhat slowing down, we still uh, look at the uh, good growth opportunities in construction activities, both in Europe and US also during 2019. As we know, the McGregor market situation continues to be difficult, and we see orders at the historically low level. We saw some improvement happening in the merchant sector, but the orders still remain at relatively low level. If you look at indicators such as the total fleet size and compare that to the current order book, we see historically low ratios on that one, and one would expect the market to start to recover with the replacement investments at one stage, but there are no indicators of the growth returning soon in McGregor environment. As said, I'm very pleased with the order intake, 18% growth, growth happening in all business areas during the 2018. The growth in Q4 was especially strong with 46% growth in McGregor, although obviously from relatively low base. 24% growth in Hayab, strong demand happening for example in, in North America and 22% continuing growth in Kalmar. Throughout the whole year, we saw 11% growth in, in McGregor, 13% growth in Hayab, and 23% growth in, in Kalmar. 
This obviously leads to a very strong order backlog, 27% uh, higher than a year ago, or more than 400 million stronger order backlog, moving from 18 to 19, giving us a good basis to improve our results further in 2019. As said, sales increased only by 3%, and we still experienced some delivery challenges, especially so in high up during the Q4. Uh, the operating profit during the Q4 was on solid level, 73.5 million, primarily helped by the improvements in Kalmar, driven by better delivery situation in there. Very pleased with the progress we are making in services. Although the headline number, the reported services number, uh, indicates only a 3% growth, if one looks at that bit more in detail in Kalmar, adjusting for the uh, weaker US dollar and the divestments, the core Kalmar services, including spare parts and maintenance, grew by 9% during 2018. Hayab also grew by 9% adjusted for the currencies, and McGregor services grew by 5%. The McGregor growth came almost solely from the acquisition of RAP Marine and the sort of uh, uh, adjusting for the emergence uh, uh, and acquisition of McGregor services were flat during 2018. As a result of that one, the total services grew by 6% on that one, growth coming, as already said, from Kalmar and Hayab services, and McGregor services adjusted for the merger and acquisition were flat during 2018. We also saw very strong progress in services orders 10% and software orders 33% growth in 2018. The software orders uh, growth coming primarily from the growth in automation software orders. These numbers are not adjusted for FXL, so underlying growth um, in constant currencies would have been even stronger than that one. So we are well on the way at the moment for our targeted 1.5 billion of revenues in services and software, or roughly 40% of the total group revenues. With that one, I'd like to hand over to my colleague, CFO Mikko Puolakka, who will cover the business area, some further financial data. Mikko. Thank you, Mikko, and uh, also good morning from my side. Let's start with uh, Kalmar, uh, where the strong order intake uh, continued uh, in, in quarter four. Orders were up by 22%. We got uh, an automation deal in uh, Belfast uh, in Ireland. And uh, so far we have uh, received then uh, five automation deals now in 2018. Also, the demand for the mobile equipment, especially for the terminal tractors, uh, remained very strong in the US market. In Kalmar, the service orders also grew uh, by 15%, and here the growth came mainly from upgrades and uh, maintenance uh, projects. Now, Kalmar's order book is uh, above uh, 1 billion euros, and uh, this, of course, offers a very good basis for 2019 revenues and profitability. Uh, Kalmar sales uh, declined by 5%, uh, but if we exclude the divestments of uh, Sivertel as well as the uh, Kalmar Rafter and container handling uh, businesses, so uh, divestments, uh, then uh, the uh, uh, sales uh, improved by uh, 1%. Service sales grew by 5% and with, current, uh, with including constant currencies and then eliminating the impact of uh, divestments. 
After the kind of uh, slowest start for 2018, Kalmar actually delivered record high operating profit for quarter four, 51 million euros. Uh, the high deliveries uh, with very good mix, as well as the cost improvement actions, which we started in the early part of uh, 2018, were the main contributors for the 11.5% uh, operating profit margin in quarter four. Then moving to HIAP, uh, where the orders have been about 300 million euros uh, in every quarter during 2018. And uh, quarter four was uh, very high, 357 million euros, 24% uh, growth uh, year on year. If we exclude the effort acquisition, orders uh, grew 17% uh, organically. Effort has been consolidated into our results uh, from the end of uh, November. Uh, we have had uh, very good uh, development in high up in all product lines and in our main markets uh, in the US as well as in Europe. Europe. Service orders were up by 11% and like in Kalmar also high up starts with a very good uh, backlog uh, uh, for 2019. Uh, despite uh, the challenges in our supply chain, uh, we were able to uh, improve sales by 13%. Uh, uh, and if we exclude effort acquisition, the quarter four sales growth was uh, 8%. Services sales grew by 10% and this is uh, mostly coming from organic growth. Uh, the profitability uh, uh, declined uh, by 5 million euros and was 34.9 million euros for quarter four. And this is uh, very much uh, driven by the supply chain issues. Uh, component uh, shortages uh, uh, leading to higher costs and then unfa unfavorable product mix. The supply chain issues are mainly related to components, but also to certain extent to labor availability as well as uh, installation capacity availability. Uh, we see gradual improvement in these areas, but uh, we expect that uh, these kind of issues continue still to prevail uh, during the first half of uh, 2019. Then moving to MacGregor, where despite the lower markets, uh, actually our book to bill for quarter, quarter four was above one. Of course, MacGregor orders can be lumpy, uh, so the quarterly, quarterly order fluctuations can be, can be there. But we got uh, very nice orders in the, in the cruise and cargo vessel area, also in the offshore, and also the service orders grew uh, a respectively uh, high number, 19, 19% in, in quarter four. Sales grew by 5%, and if we exclude the RAP acquisition in the early part of 2018, then the uh, sales growth was uh, more or less flat in, in MacGregor. Quarter four operating profit uh, was uh, 3 million euros negative. Uh, uh, this is coming very much from the low capacity utilization in certain product uh, areas. For example, Roro division, where we have had uh, fairly low orders in the early part of year, uh, though the orders were improving towards the end of the year. McGregor full year operating profit is at uh, break even, uh, 100,000 euros positive. 
We have completed the 13 million euro savings program in MacGregor, but uh, have started with uh, additional actions in order to make sure that the profitability remains in black numbers also going forward. Then a few words about our uh, cost savings programs. Uh, the 50 million euro program, uh, company-wide program, which we started in 2017 is progressing according to the plans. We have so far delivered uh, 21 million euro savings from this program, mainly from the uh, indirect uh, procurement savings. As mentioned earlier, the 13 million euro MacGregor uh, savings program has been fully completed and the 13 million euros cost savings are in our books for 2018. In Kalmar, uh, the production transfer from Sweden to Poland has been completed in the early part of the year. Uh, targeted savings were 13 million euros. This year, or eight in 18, we achieved 8 million euros savings. The deviation is coming from the supply chain issues. Missing components have led uh, to higher costs. But we are confident that once we have uh, sorted out the supply chain issues, uh, we can reach the 13 million euros annual savings also here. According to our strategy, we of course then continue also with uh, other productivity improvement uh, actions uh, in business areas as well as in uh, uh, functions. Then few words uh, about the total, total company financials. Uh, the full year orders uh, almost 3.8 billion euros, 18% uh, growth. Uh, almost uh, 2 billion euros order backlog. And as Mika referred already earlier, uh, we expect to deliver roughly 80% of this uh, backlog now in 2019. Operating profit, uh, 243.8 million euros. Uh, our restructuring costs were 54 million euros. And here, the largest uh, item was the non-cash uh, 30 million euro right uh, kind of a revaluation of the uh, rainbow heavy industries uh, share ownership earnings per share 1.66 uh, euros per share and excluding the restructuring costs 2.35 euros then short summary about uh, 2017 to 2018 profit bridge. If we start from Kalmar, Kalmar improved profitability by 10.5 million euros. Sales were slightly higher. Uh, uh, however, the main improvement came from the cost and productivity improvement actions, which we have uh, done co continuously throughout the 2018. The biggest uh, gap or deviation is coming from uh, high up, uh, almost 23 million euros lower profitability compared to 2017. And the main driver here is the weakness in uh, US dollar against Euro. This is contributing roughly 20 million euros to this uh, 23 million euros deviation. The rest is coming from uh, higher costs due to, due to the uh, supply chain uh, challenges as well as unfavorable uh, product mix uh, due to the same same reason. And in Mac record, the profitability was uh, uh, almost 11 million euros uh, lower. Uh, we have been uh, uh, cutting costs by 13 million euros, but this is not uh, uh, entirely compensating the 6% uh, sales decline.
Our cash flow improved uh, towards uh, quarter four. Quarter four was 86 million euros and the full year 128 million euros. And uh, the uh, biggest improvement here is uh, or kind of uh, uh, impact is coming here from the uh, supply chain related issues, uh, uh, especially growth in working capital. Uh, our inventories are now higher because of the uh, missing components and, uh, and uh, delayed uh, deliveries. Also in MacGregor, the advance payments have been uh, decreased uh, quite significantly. If you look at the total company, our advance payments are down by 34 million euros, primarily in uh, MacGregor. Return on capital employed was uh, 8% for 2018. Uh, this is uh, down from last year's 9.6%. Uh, here the biggest uh, impact is again coming from the restructuring costs, uh, uh, excluding the 54 million euros restructuring costs, uh, the ROSI would have been 10%. Cargotech's uh, board of directors is proposing a dividend of 1.1 uh, euros per V-share for 2018. This is 66% uh, 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 dividend uh, payout ratio and uh, roughly 4.1% uh, dividend yield. Dividend would be paid uh, in two parts, the first part in March and the second part in October. And this would be the fifth uh, consecutive uh, year when uh, we would have been uh, growing, growing the dividend. And then uh, outlook for 2019, uh, for 2019, uh, we expect that Cargotex operating profit uh, or comparable operating profit improves from 2018 and uh, in 2018 it was 242.1 million euros. We also introduce uh, from 1st of January a new uh, 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 alternative performance uh, measure, the comparable operating profit. And in this comparable operating profit, uh, we exclude uh, the restructuring costs like we have done also in the past. And in addition to that, uh, other significant items which may impact the comparability of our results between periods. This kind of items could be, for example, uh, acquisition related uh, costs. And with those words, I would then hand over back to Anna-Maria and uh, for the Q&A. Thank you, Mikko. Thank you, Mika. Now there is a possibility to ask questions, and we will start with the potential questions from Ruoholahti. Are there any questions here? If not, then we will continue with the international questions. If you would like to ask a question, please signal by pressing star 1 on your telephone keypad. That's star 1 to ask a question. We can now take our first question from Leo Carrington from Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Good morning. Thank you for taking my question. Um, in, in terms of the supply chain issue, please can you answer what change to lead to December's profit warning? Um, how these issues have evolved uh, during the quarter, 
and why you think this has been such a stubborn issue. And also, I wonder, can we interpret that your slightly better result versus expectations from December imply a slight improvement? Uh, thank you for your question, Neil, um, and good morning. Uh, the situation evolved such that we knew that we had a, a considerable challenge in Q4 meeting the delivery forecast we had originally set for that one. And uh, whilst in, in uh, Kalmar side, as you can see from the numbers, we started to uh, have the better delivery situation, although we still have room for improvement there, uh, missing still some key components. The situation in, in Hayab especially continued to be difficult. That it became quite obvious as af after the November that the, uh, it, it, the uphill was too steep for us to reach the deliveries, especially in Hayab side, and that then led to the change in the profit guidance in, in December. Uh, the situation has not markedly changed from that one. Um, a Kalmar situation is somewhat better, we can see that. And, and what of course helps Kalmar is that we deliver complete equipment or vehicles from there. Whereas in, in, in high upside, we are not only restrained by our own supply situations and some of the labor availability issues we have in our factories, but also by the downstream where the, obviously most of the high up products are components. So you also need to have the uh, truck available. Uh, as you probably well know, the industry is also suffering from the availability of the trucks and the installation capacity continues to be the issue there as well. And those are <coughs> both contributing for a more difficult situation in Hayab compared to the Kalmar as well. We expect that situation to gradually improve now in the first half, but obviously we are not <coughs> out of the situation. Some of those challenges will continue in the, in the first half of, of 2019. Okay, thank you. That's very helpful. Um, and if I may ask a second, the group's adjusted central cost line has been coming down since 2016 and 2017. Do you see the 2018's 34 million of central adjusted EBIT as a level that can be sustained in the future? Thanks for the question. Uh, I would say uh, around it has been uh, around this kind of 35 to 40 million euros. Uh, it depends a bit on the uh, uh, development programs which we have, but uh, approximately 35 million euros would be a kind of a good proxy for that. Okay, thank you very much. We can now take our next question from Johan Alisin from Kepler Chevro. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi, uh, this is Johan here. Just um, a question on um, on currencies. You mentioned in the HIAV that uh, you had a 20 million headwind. W was this uh, in any way related to receivables revaluation because of uh, currency changes, or was this the, the underlying um, impact on, on the, uh, from the net cash flows? And secondly, on that, uh, at current rates, what, what do you foresee then uh, uh, for currencies in 19? Is it a headwind of similar size, or uh, has it turned into a tailwind? And then thirdly, Mika, I think you said when we met in December that you had taken uh, six automation orders and now you talk about five new automation customers. Is it just that one of the orders were with an existing client or, or uh, what's the difference here? Thank you. 
Yeah, if I start, uh, if I start, so basically the currency impact is coming from the transaction impact. So it's not about uh, uh, revaluating or or evaluating the receivables. So it's uh, very much, uh, very much uh, as we are delivering products from uh, Europe to US, uh, where where basically we have the cost base in euro and the sales price in 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 US dollar. We of course hedge uh, hedge the uh, the backlog and the orders what we have in but uh, uh, some of these uh, hedges uh, have been done in the early part of the year and we have been delivering uh, those uh, products in the latter part of the year so actually despite the improved uh, or strengthened US dollar towards the end of the year we had still some deliveries which were hedged uh, with fairly low US dollar rate. What comes to 2019, I wish I would have the crystal ball, of course, but uh, if uh, we would assume that the US dollar euro would be on this kind of level, I would not expect uh, uh, too much kind of headwind nor, nor also tailwind uh, for 2019. So, so if the US dollar euro remains on this kind of level, uh, we should see at least uh, less negative impact than in, in 18. Uh, regarding the automation question, you do have a good memory on that one. I have to confess that I think I got a little bit ahead of myself because the last order that I mentioned, the sixth one, actually we only booked that now during the Q1 order intake. I think some of the paperwork still took a while to process. So uh, by end of January, we had six orders. Five of them landed officially on, the, on 2018. All of them are new customers for us. Excellent. And how does the uh, the pipeline look for automation orders? Are there another five, six um, to come this year, you think? It's always hard to predict on the customer investment behaviors. I think the, uh, if you look at what we said about the market environment, we still see primarily deals to be phased deals where the original initial investments are lower. Customers go around the automation on the, on the phased investments areas, but the um, I would say the pipeline is, is, is still there and the activity level around the automation is, is relatively good, but um, uh, always very hard to predict the actual sort of uh, timing of the deals and obviously uh, uh, whether you win them or somebody else will. It seems like Connie Cranes won a significant deal in, in Israel. Uh, were there any specific reasons uh, why they took the deal and you didn't get it? Uh, that one has to ask from customers. Overall, I think it's also a good indication that the automation market is active at the moment and, and, and uh, uh, overall the market is, is now progressing. Okay, and then finally, any update on TTS or are we still waiting for the Chinese approval Q1? We are still expecting the Chinese uh, uh, approval on, on Q1 and based on the understanding I have in the discussions, I, I think we are fairly um, confident on, on getting that on approval on the, during the Q1. Okay, thanks. Thank you. We can now take our next question from Manu Ramila from Nordea. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning. It's uh, Manu Ramila from Nordea. Uh, my first question would be on the supply chain uh, impact in uh, 2018. Uh, would you be able to quantify that in terms of sales and, and EBIT? 
It's, it's a, a fairly significant amount, and uh, probably more than we expected early part of the year. And, and well, it's sort of, um, especially if I look at the high up, it's almost, you could say, a partly a sort of vicious cycle in, in a sense that the, what happened when the delivery times got extended is that the dollar impact was higher than we probably expected early part of the year because we were still shipping equipment that we had booked on the early part of the year with the lower dollar rates and, and the impact on the US dollar was still visible in the Q4. The other issue that uh, came as a result of the extended delivery times of course is that the, the price increases that we have now pushed through in our pricing lists etc of course are only becoming effective with the uh, uh, newer equipment deliveries as well so the, there was a delay in the in the pricing realization as well coming from that one and then there obviously were direct costs associated with extra labor uh, logistics etc resulting in, into the availability of the uh, components so it's um, uh, very difficult to put a precise number but i would say that it's it's clearly probably in the neighborhood of um, uh, 10 to 20 million um, uh, euros in in high ups case directly impacting the the results then the currency itself was another uh, 20 million, as Mikko already said. Yeah, I would say in IAP's case, closer to 20 million than 10 million. The the sales impact. So that 20 million lost in sales or 20 million lost in EBIT? Uh, 20 million in sales. Okay. Um, and then if you look at the group level, I mean, you had the guidance of um, EBIT to um, to improve or, or was it to be stable uh, compared to the previous year level? And then we ended, um, ended lower. So is it fair to say that kind of all of that difference is just due to the supply chain issues? Or was there something else uh, included in, in that difference as well? Well, I would say that if you go through that by business area compared to our assumptions in the uh, late 2017, obviously McGregor landed lower than we expected. Uh, one needs to remember that the market expectation was a bit more optimistic at the late 2017, early 2018, and we saw actually ship order improvements in a Q1 and partly in Q2, but then the market um, sort of slowed down again and, and obviously we missed our targets in McGregor uh, by about 10 million as, as you can see from the changes in, in, in there. Then uh, Kalmar was pretty much according to our assumptions they had a very good recovery in the second half of the year but the um, uh, biggest miss came clearly from high up which was a combination of the currency being the biggest contributor uh, even against our assumptions, the currency impact was higher than we anticipated in, in 2018 and then the delivery issues impact coming from multiple areas that I already described was probably the single biggest contributor. And even though the delivery situation started to improve towards the end of the year, they did not uh, improve enough for us to recover from the position we found ourselves in the sort of middle part of the year. Okay, and then a uh, question on the backlog. So, I mean, you, you now provide, or you say that the backlog is up some 27% year over year, and you also provide us that around 80% of the backlog will be delivered this year. So, how, how does that compare to the situation at the end of, uh, at the start of 2018? 
actually exactly the same number, 80%. It was also 80% the previous previous year, so that hasn't changed. Overall, I would say that the, the backlog is of good quality at the moment, especially in the Kalmar and Hayab side. Okay, and then the final question in terms of the backlog margins. Do you see any, any difference in that compared to the starting point at the start of 2018? No, it's a, it's a good quality backlog. Um, if you look at the growth, growth in orders in Kalmar, obviously uh, we saw strong growth in automation orders, but we also saw a gr strong growth in the uh, mobile equipment part as well, which is a good quality business for us. Both of them increased roughly at the same same amount actually, so it's coming from both. And in Hayab's case, uh, the delivery mix towards the end of the year was actually not favorable for us uh, and, and we were able to deliver more on the lower margin equipment. That means that in a way you could say that the backlog in Hayab is probably better than it was uh, uh, at the same time previous year. Thank you. As a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, please press star 1. We can now take our next question from Magnus Kerber from UBS. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Magnus here with UBS. Could you give us some color on, on the targeted savings from your group-wide 2020 savings program uh, to come in 2019? Basically, we, when we started this program uh, in 2017, uh, we uh, outlined that uh, out of this total 50 million euros, roughly 30 million is coming from the uh, indirect procurement savings. Out of this 30 million, we have now generated during these last two years uh, 21 million euros. So we expect uh, approximately 10 million uh, from the indirect procurement savings still to come uh, in, in 19. Then uh, the other part is related to the consolidation of the back office activities to our service center. And we said also in 2017 that the savings from that will materialize more towards the end of the uh, savings period, i.e. starting from uh, 2020 onwards. So I don't expect uh, from the back office consolidation yet uh, major savings in, in um, 19. So mostly. Mostly the savings for 19 are coming from the indirect procurement uh, savings, approximately 10 million euros. Brilliant, thank you much, very clear. Uh, also, continued very solid demand in, in HIAB in the, in, in the quarter. Could, could you give us some, some color on what product groups driving this? Is any, any particular one sticking out or is it more broad-based? Actually, it's very broad-based. and uh, All product groups grew in, in orders and there were not significant differences between the orders. And, and geographically, uh, US was uh, obviously particularly strong in Q4, but we saw, again, growth also in um, EMEA. Brilliant. Thank you so much. That, that's all for me. Thank you. Thank you. We can now take our next question from Antti Sotilin from... Yeah. Danske Bank. Yes, hi, this is uh, Antip, and I would like to hear your thoughts really on uh, the automation at uh, Kalmar and, and the competitive landscape there. Is, is, do you think there is any difference between uh, the suppliers uh, offering automated port solutions, yourself, uh, then Kona Cranes, then the Chinese one, and, and, and the other guys? Are they all offering the same, or are there any significant re differences between the offerings uh, in these companies, please? Uh, I would say so that at this stage you have um, 
uh, two companies ourselves and connect cranes who have a fairly wide range system capabilities obviously we are strong believers that all our automation technology proven by those six deals that we have now got is the best in the market at the moment we have invested significantly on that one for years to come and, and um, uh, the complex automation cases tend to land with us uh, the chinese are a formidable competition they have a very competitive uh, hardware offering if i say so and they rely then on the external parties today to provide the automation technology for them uh, it's no secret that, that I'm sure that the Chinese competition will also be developing their automation software capabilities further on that one. And I would see that probably in the longer run you will see sort of three, three companies um, offering automation systems ourselves, ZPMC and Connecranes. Then you have of course automation project capabilities coming uh, especially from ABB which is an other but they obviously then need to partner with the equipment providers. The key issue I think at this stage yeah. is not so much necessarily the competitive landscape but um, at the market um, um, market projections and how fast the automation penetration will happen. Sure, interesting. And, and who are the companies that supply software, uh, for example, to the Chinese equipment makers? Well, um, in our case, for example, Navis, which offers the um, um, uh, sort of um, uh, fully automated terminal operating system and the only commercial product in market, we also partner with the Chinese in terms of the Chinese automation cases in China are utilizing Navis software in their automation projects. Then you have a number of smaller uh, uh, Asian as well as the sort of Western um, software companies that have uh, point solutions for particular particular needs and, and particular parts of the automation. Okay, and then, then to Mikko, just that I understand the, the cost-cutting program, when you say that 21 million savings were generated, what do you mean? Is, is this the cost-based change, 2018 versus 2017, or is this a run rate at the end of 2018? This is basically comparing the costs uh, to 2000, end of 2016 cost level. So basically uh, 21 million euros uh, lower, uh, for example, uh, logistics costs, uh, some uh, traveling costs have been reduced, uh, office related costs and so on, so on. So this is coming from different kind of categories, but overall uh, 21 million euros lower costs compared to 2016. Partially helping, for example, MacGregor and the other, other BAs also to offset uh, some of these uh, supply chain or volume related issues, but not fully compensating, for example, in MacGregor's case. Yeah, okay, that's, that's clear. That's all. Thank you. Again, if you would like to ask a question, please press star 1. We can now take our next question from Antti Kansonen from FEB. Please go ahead. Hi, it's uh, Antti from FEB. Thanks for taking my question. Uh, regarding HIAB and the uh, unfavorable business mix, was this uh, caused by the, uh, kind of the supply chain issues? And should we expect this kind of continue throughout the first half of this year as you are working your way to uh, improve the supply chain? 
and kind of the mix improvement would be more in the latter part of the year or will will there be a reversal effect already in the uh, first half of the year just trying to understand how the profitability in the division would trend during the year yeah things will obviously not change dramatically from the first of january onwards but we we are expecting a gradual improvement so i think um, um, you will see a gradual improvement starting to happen from the early part of the year towards the summer um, in, in these cases, so uh, hopefully by the second half we are in um, a much better shape on, on, on these areas. So, uh, gradual improvement throughout the first half. All right, and what was actually, what was the uh, mix, what was the uh, product or the product groups that you delivered less on, on, on Q4 compared to uh, less, less profitable products? Uh, uh, if I would take one example on that one is the, uh, one of the major uh, sort of bottlenecks for us has been the Stargard uh, Polish facility which is manufacturing loader cranes where we have suffered both from the uh, lack of uh, key components such as hydraulic cylinders and also some labor shortages with the Polish labor market being relatively hot at the moment and, and those have contributed. The other issue with loader cranes of course is the installation capacities, also the downstream downstream challenges are probably most visible especially in that area with the installation capacity and truck availability also impacting. That one and uh, that's the, probably the single biggest contributor into the lower mix. The order intake on that product category has been very very strong but we have not been able to unfortunately fulfill the uh, requirements there. All right, thank you. Uh, the second question regarding Navis. Uh, how is the competitive landscape? Are, are you just mainly uh, winning uh, against in-house uh, systems and would you kind of, uh, would it be good to have a more commercial solutions in the market to kind of to drive the market towards away from in-house system to more cover commercial uh, terminal operating systems or would an increased competition in, in the commercial side actually be a negative for, for Navis going forward? The key issue for Navis and the main competitor for Navis very clearly is, is the in-house system. So uh, roughly half of the market is, is uh, commercial today. As, uh, I think the commercial is now uh, getting over the half and uh, uh, Navis's market share is extremely strong on that, that side. The key issue for us is to convince the main uh, larger operators to actually uh, uh, convert into commercial platforms rather than in-house development. We saw a good example of that one last year when Costco is converting now their systems and, and standardizing on the Navis software and, and we are working through this one. I think we have seen the similar development in other industries where gradually the in-house development will be replaced by commercial off-the-shelf software programs, but these are long long-term projects and, and very difficult decisions for the main operators to do. All right, very clear. That's all for me. Thanks. Next question comes from Carl Bukis and DB Sunder Collier. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning. Thanks for taking my question. Uh, I have a question uh, concerning Kalmar and deliveries during the quarter. If we uh, exclude uh, the uh, structural effects uh, and just look at organic growth. It seems to be perhaps flattish. Uh, I was just wondering, are you seeing any delivery issues there? And uh, do you expect uh, these to start to pick up uh, given your strong backlog? 
Uh, we certainly saw still delivery issues in Kalmara. We are experiencing delivery issues in Kalmara as well. Uh, and the strong demand, of course, is, is uh, putting further challenges on that one. But um, I would say that uh, the one big benefit, of course, in Kalmar compared to Hayabi is that once you have the equipment ready, uh, uh, sort of the downstream is fairly straightforward because you can ship a complete vehicle into the customer, so you don't experience similar bottlenecks in the downstream as in Hayab. But uh, we still suffer from some of the components availabilities there as well. But um, we've been able to push through the uh, uh, deliveries uh, better in the in the Kalmar side that we have been able to do in in high upside in the, during the Q4, but the order backlog also in mobile equipment has clearly been growing and and in certain product categories we are actually fully booked in terms of production capacity all the way to the summer. Okay, good to know. And uh, I, when it comes to the we talked about this a lot now, but uh, do you think that the bottleneck issues in Kalmar will be more quickly addressed compared to those in Hayab? Uh, I, I would say that more likely so, and as the indication in Q4 already, as I said, the biggest um, difference is the uh, more straightforward downstream um, on, on that one. And, and obviously also I would say the Kalmar production situation is somewhat better than Hayab, but um, uh, there are still similar issues in both of them. Okay, good to know. And then just the final one. What's your what's your view in terms of networking capital going forward? Do you still expect to see uh, that the inventories will decrease, uh, increase? Uh, sorry, um, or is, of course this is mostly related to uh, stocking and things like that. But do you think that you will be able to lower your networking capital going forward? Of course, uh, <coughs> of course, part of our networking capital uh, development is is related to the volume volume as such. But uh, as uh, as uh, also mentioned in the presentation, we have uh, some uh, five to ten days uh, higher inventories uh, compared to kind of normal situations. So that if you calculate from our top line, top line uh, five to ten days means uh, 50, 50 to hundred million even even in the in the working capital. So. Uh, uh, definitely, as, as we uh, can remove these uh, supply chain uh, related bottlenecks, uh, we would expect also that, uh, for example, the inventory days would improve. And then the other question is that how the overall volume would develop, uh, develop going forward. But definitely, we target to improve the working capital days uh, as, as uh, removing the supply chain issues. Okay, thank you very much. We now take our next question. From Magnus Carber from UBS, please go ahead. Hi, Magnus here. There's two other little bit broader questions. From your Calamar customers, do you hear that the vessel deployment strategies for the three alliances are changing even now, two years after the formation of the alliances? Uh, haven't heard specifically, but I, I think the one thing clearly that has happened and, and, and confirmed by our customers with um, uh, stronger consolidation, both M&A and these alliances, is that the balance of power between the shipping lines and ports, I think, in a kind of first time in history, is now more favorable to us, the shipping lines, where they are able to now exert pricing power to us, the terminal operators. I think in the long run this is a good news for us because that will drive further efficiency requirements from the terminal operators and, and that will then drive the uh, 
demand for investments for automation and other efficiency measures and, and services from us as well. Okay, got it. Thank you. And then also, I mean, we have, we have seen uh, many of the global truck companies making sizable cuts to the backlog on, from speculative orders, notably in the U.S. Is that something you could suffer on from as, as well? Or what kind of down payment does the customer have to make when they place an order with you for Ukraine, for example? Uh, yeah, it's something that we certainly keep an eye on at the moment uh, because of the longer lead times, etc. Um, uh, at this stage, for example, in US, when I look at our mobile equipment and other inventories, our distributor or uh, uh, sort of uh, distribution uh, stocks are actually uh, record low at the moment. So very clearly there is a strong underlying demand driving the development. Something to be watched, watched of course, all the time and see how that develops. Thank you so much. Can I take our next question? Please state your name before posing your question. Hi, it's Erke from Indres. About the profit guidance, I mean, considering that you start the year with 27% higher order backlog, 80% to be delivered in 2019, like last year, uh, giving you 340 million euros head start versus 2018. Is there any reason why your 2019 sales would not be clearly up year on year? And if there is no reason, this would make the profit guidance a little modest, considering all the challenges that you had last year that you have at least partly overcome. When I look at 2019, obviously we expect uh, improvement coming from both Hayab and Kalmar. We still expect uh, McGregor market situation to remain uh, difficult and obviously we will then have the TTS and acquisition and closing coming in and we would need to come back to that one once we have a more clarity on on that one. But the main profitability driver obviously are Hayab and Kalmar and that's really a factor of the, as you said yourself, order backlog improving delivery capabilities, um, the uh, US dollar euro, if that stays roughly on that level, um, it will be ne neutral for this year. And then we have a number of these efficiency and productivity programs coming out, uh, out as well that should help us um, in driving the profitability in 2019. Yes, but I, uh, is uh, some sales improvement more or less uh, required in order to reach the uh, improvement. I'm sorry, Erke, you were breaking up in the beginning of the question. Would you mind repeating that? Is sales improvement a prerequisite for EBIT improvement this year? Uh, I think it, uh, the profit improvement will come from all of those components. Fair enough, thank you. Are there, further there are no qu further questions on the line at this time. I would now like to turn the call back to the host. Thank you. Thank you for the good questions and good answers. We will publish our Q1 report on April 25th, so see you then. Thank you. Thank you.